0: are Augustus, that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be taxed with Mary his a spouse, wife, being great with child. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorified and praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. I'm interested in verse number 19 where the Bible tells us that Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word ponder here means to weigh in the mind. It means to consider, to remember, to compare the circumstances or the consequences of an event. In other words, Mary, she's just delivered baby Jesus. She is sitting there, no doubt, holding him in those swaddling clothes. The shepherds have just come and expressed their interest and their excitement about the newborn king. They have now left, and now it's just her and Joseph and Jesus sitting in that little cattle stall, which is nothing more than a cave cut out of a rock it wasn't a little wooden structure those shepherds would drive the animals up into a cave and then that's where John 10 talks about Jesus talks about the shepherd would be the porter of the door that shepherd would lay down at that cave to keep the sheep from going out and to keep other animals from getting in and no doubt they may have had a little candle, maybe a little light in there and No doubt, Joseph, like any dad who has just uh, watched his wife give birth, he's doing what any dad would do in that moment. He's over there asleep. I'll never forget uh, 10 years ago today when Daxon was born. Well, she Grace went to the hospital at two A.M. and he didn't show up till like three PM the next day. We're about dead tired and I never forget that night. Uh, and the people at the hospital are mean now. You know, years ago they take them babies to the nursery and let mom and dad sleep. I don't know why we pay them jokers now. They act like it's our kid or something. They make us take care of them the whole time. I'm like, what are we paying you for? And so uh I'll never forget Grace was in the bed and she was holding Daxon and she woke me up and she said, uh, Hand me his bottle. And i tell you right now, you could offer me a million dollars. I couldn't tell you. I can not even remember that moment. She does. Apparently, I walked over there and picked up seven or eight things and never couldn't get her the bottle, all right? But here's my point. No doubt, Joseph's over there. He's probably conked out of sleep. And Mary's holding baby Jesus, and she begins to ponder. She begins to consider everything that has just taken place. It's a busy time. If you've never had a kid, you don't know what it's like. It's a very busy, exciting, and exhausting time, much like this time of year is. Much like all the hustle and the bustle and the running around. And I like it. I mean, I'm the kind of person I could wait to Christmas Eve to go do my Christmas shopping. I like getting out there among the savages and may the best man win, all right? I mean, knock grandmas out, push them over, do what you have to. Get what you got to get. It's, that's the only survival of the fittest I believe in, all right? I enjoy that, okay? But if we're not careful, we're getting this time of year and all the business and all the hubbub and all the responsibilities we have to fulfill and we forget why we're doing it. We forget what we're a part of. And I think it would be wise for us this morning to do what Mary did after that uh, and, and giving birth to a child to a woman is a traumatic event. You're going through the jaws of death. They say a woman is closer to death when she's delivering a child than, than at any point in her life. And she's, she's went through all that. She's went through the nine months. She's went through the shame. She's now experienced. She's holding the baby. And she is now, uh, she. the shepherds have just left and she's trying to process all that and unpack all that in her mind and she begins to ponder consider it all and i want to preach on this thought this morning some things we should ponder this christmas some things we should consider ponder remember this christmas and there's three things here in luke chapter number two that i believe we can highlight and emphasize that we need to keep in mind, to keep our hearts and our minds right during this time of year. Is it just me, or am I the only one? You just kind of just get discombobulated during this time of year and doing all that and trying to get everything together. And and so let's try to get our minds settled this morning on some things we need to make sure that we keep in mind and ponder this week. First of all, we should ponder divine sovereignty. Verses 1 through 5 of our text. Now, these are interesting verses because in these verses this morning, they're often overlooked. i never forget growing up, Dad on Christmas morning, he would never, we would never eat family breakfast any time of the year except on Christmas morning, and I hated it because he wanted to cook breakfast before we opened presents. And he wanted to cook pancakes. And he wanted to cook eggs and bacon. And I don't have anything against bacon and eggs and pancakes unless it's standing in between me and my Christmas presents. Unless it's standing in between me and my faded glory T-shirt, somebody help me! All right, had to be in Sunday school to understand that point. But I mean, I and he and what he was doing, he was being the typical goofy dad like I am now. I don't think we're going to give the kids any presents. We're just going to, you know how it is. And, and I never forget them. And I appreciate this now. I didn't appreciate then. Before we go, but any presents, brother, brother Gene, he'd get the Bible out. We had to read Luke chapter number two. Well, you you say, man, I wouldn't say an amen then. I'm like, I'm in church every night of my life, here in my presence, and you want to have a Bible study. I mean, I know, can't we just thank God after we open them, you know and And he would always read these verses. I'm like, I said, can't you read the Matthew one account? That's only like about eight verses. No, he would read the Luke 1 account. We read all 20 verses. And when I was little, I felt like that took 30 minutes. I just timed it. It took me two minutes to read 20 verses. But it felt like eternity. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? i it's like, can't you read like, you know, he here. Okay, let's open bread. Thank God he came. He bled. He died. He rose. He's coming again. All right. Where's my Xbox, you know? I mean, that's just how I was at the tender age of 19. And so... um. <laughs> But oftentimes we're not careful. We'll take verses 1 through 5 and we'll think, what's the purpose of these verses? What's the reason? Well, in these verses, there is divine sovereignty. I'll show you quickly. There is the prophecy that was declared. This is not in our text, but I have to make reference. In Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. The Messiah would come through Bethlehem. But may I remind you of an issue in this text? Joseph is not from Bethlehem. Anybody remember where Joseph's from? He's from the city of Nazareth. There is the prophecy declared. Nazareth and Bethlehem were some 93 miles from one another. It would have taken Joseph and Mary some three days to travel. How would God work this out? Well, there is the... There is the, uh, the, the prophecy declared. But then there is the propagated decree, verses 1 through 3. Caesar Augustus made a decree that all the world should be taxed. And that taxing was to get every man to his home city to pay that tax. It was a census tax. So here's what God's doing. God knows that Joseph lives in Nazareth. Mary is in the motherly way with the Lord Jesus. The prophecy has said that he would be born in Bethlehem. You ever step back and say, how in the world is God going to work this one out? Well, in these verses, verses 1 through 5, here's what God's doing. God puts on the heart and the mind of a wicked tyrant, Caesar Augustus. You need to have a worldwide census tax, and every man needs to come to his own city where he's from and pay that tax. Well, it just happened that Joseph would have to come to Bethlehem to pay that tax. What is that? It is divine sovereignty. There is the propagated decree, the prophecy declared, but the proper diligence in verse 4 and 5. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth under Judea, under the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he is of the house and the lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Hey, here's the point. Right, here's like an impossible situation it looks like God has failed according to His Word. And it don't look like that God's Word is going to come true. But here's what God did. We are not Calvinists this morning. We are not Reformed in theology. But we serve a mighty big God. Would you agree with that? And so God arranged things. And God worked things out. To get Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem at just the right time so His Word would be fulfilled. Here's Here's the application. Many times God has given us promises and truths in His Word and we wonder how is this going to fit in my life? How is this going to work in my life? How is God going to make this happen? But I'm telling you, God has a way and we need to ponder that. We need to remember that. We need to consider that. We need to put our minds upon that. That God is good at being God. Amen. And God is faithful and God will do what is right. He will not dishonor His Word. He will not break His his promise he will not break his oath and his decrees that he has put in his book. we need to consider that and remember that this year because we look around this world and we see a lot of wickedness and a lot of sin and a lot of uh, things going on and we say, how's God going to fulfill that somebody asked a question last week in Sunday school had somebody that asked them a question They said, if God is going to take care of the nation of Israel, why is He not doing that now? And my answer is, Israel is still there. And that is all the proof in the world that God is taking care of Israel. And it may not look like in our eyes, and it may not look like in our mindset uh, that God is doing anything. But God, if you don't get anything else I preached this morning, you remember this, God is good at being God. So we need to ponder that. We need to remember that divine sovereignty. Secondly, I would emphasize in this text we need to ponder. We need to remember the delivered son, verses 6 and 7. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now, there are three things in this verse that I want us to see. First of all, there is the time accomplished. The Bible teaches us in verse 6 that the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. Now, there's two ways of looking at that. There's some writers believe that the moment that Mary and Joseph got to Bethlehem, that Mary went into labor. And then there are other writers that say that they have been there for a few days, and while they were there, that Mary went into labor. Either way, Mary went into labor in Bethlehem. She did not abort baby Jesus. Us. Can we get an amen out of that? She did not say, Why me? She didn't call out, My body, my choice, which that didn't work when they were trying to stick us with needles in 2020. Somebody help me there. And then she didn't cry that out. Uh, she didn't fuss about that. She submitted herself to the will of God for her life. You know what this does? This speaks of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Even though she was uh, uh, overshadowed by the Holy Ghost, And even though Jesus was born of a virgin, she still carried him nine months. She still experienced everything that a mother does during that time. And that speaks of the humanity of Jesus Christ. Can you imagine as she is carrying baby Jesus and he begins to grow. And like all you mamas know that feeling, he begins to kick, begins to move. And what she realizes, that's not just any baby. That's God. That's the Son of God living on the inside of me. I can feel Him. I can feel Him moving. I know He's there. And I want to remind you this morning that we have that same hope uh, that God lives on the inside. The Spirit of God lives on the inside of us and we can sense His presence every day we live. The time accomplished. But then verse 7, the terrible accommodations. She brought forth her firstborn son wrapped them in swaddling clothes and laid them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. One writer said, no room? That was the innkeeper's last word. We are full. Can't you see for yourself, sir? There is not one room vacant. Then in a moment he said, but there is a cattle shed. There is a little cave over here. You could make do there. So in a rough, cold cave attached to that ancient inn in Bethlehem, the Son of God entered into human life. Oxen shook their shaggy heads. Camels looked around with disdain. The floor was unspeakably foul. Bats flew in and out. No hot water. No sanitation. No midwife was available. And the nearby inn paying guests called for their food and drink and sang songs and salt their beds. But when they didn't realize it's just a little ways down the road. The Son of God. Yes, Hope now had hands. Faith now had a face, and, 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 and freedom had feet. And Joseph knocked some boards together because he was a carpenter. Made a little manger. And they found some, some swaddling clothes which were bandages of that day that we had wrap dead people in. And can you see Joseph and Mary as they're trying to make do what they have. And can you see Joseph saying, God, I'm sorry, this is the best I got. I wish we had better I have stayed in some bad places before traveling and I'm thankful and I've got more good stories than bad stories but I have stayed some places my goodness uh, people like to come to safe harbor and preach for us and be with us one because I believe we have a, a spirit of hospitality but they know if they come preach for me we're gonna take care of them and they're gonna stay in a nice place because I travel enough to know you don't do that and but I've never stayed nowhere this bad any of you, And some of you mamas, at the point of contractions and all that, you wouldn't care where you was at. You was fixed to have that baby. But no mama would want to have their baby out in the field somewhere, out in the cave somewhere with animals all around, nobody there. Can you imagine the disappointment in their heart? I mean, this is not just any baby. This is the Son of God. I wish we could do better. But I'm glad he was born so lowly. Because if he was born in the palace like he deserved, deserved, people like you and I would not have access to him. But he was born at the very bottom because that's who he came to seek and to save. And that leads me not only to the time accomplished and the terrible accommodations, but there's true amazement. At this point, when he was born, the Son of God had physically made his entrance into the world. Those around the inn that night didn't even realize it. I'm not even sure if Mary comprehended it all because she begins to ponder those things. By the way, somebody said, Mary, did you know? Yes, Luke 1. Don't get me started on that. No, did she understand everything she was going to do? No, but she knew who he was. He didn't become the Son of God. He was born the Son of God. He was the Son of God. Unlike what the Romans said, he did not make himself the Son of God. He was God's Son that amazes me there is one mid between God and man the man Christ Jesus I will remind us this morning and, and I'm, I'm sorry y'all having to hear all about this stuff that I'm writing about you only have to buy the book though because you don't hear me preach on it but I to remind you Jesus did not come to earth so you could go to heaven Did you hear me Jesus did not come to earth and die and rise again just so you can go to heaven he died and was buried and rose again so you could go to God there is one and one meter between God and heaven. No, God and man. The man Christ Jesus. The purpose of salvation was reconciliation, bringing God and man together. Yes, heaven's a wonderful place. Yes, he- that's like I see on the cake. That's where God dwells. But I'm saying, if there was no heaven, if there was no uh, walls of jasper, gates of pearl, the fact that we have been reconciled to God, that we have fellowship with God again, that's what salvation is about. By the way, the epistles reflect that because Paul said he had desire to go and be with Christ, which was far better. I thank God for heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven. But the purpose of salvation was the redemption and the reconciliation of man to God. That's why we need to be careful in our witnessing and hanging heaven out there like a, like a carrot on a stick. Don't you want to go to heaven when you die? How about, do you want to have a relationship with God? Do you want to know Jesus? Do you want to have a friend that will sit close to a brother? Heaven's good. That's icing on the cake. But salvation ain't about a place. Salvation is about a person. That's why He came. I know some of you all are trying to swallow that, but it's the gospel truth. You're trying to reconcile us unto God. There was a distance between God and man. And Buster Seton said at Calvary, Jesus reached up and grabbed deity by the hand. And he reached down and grabbed depravity by the hand. And became a mediator. And he brought them together. And he reconciled them there at Calvary. We need to ponder that. We need to remember that this week. We need to consider that this week. I mean, some of you may not have been a bad sinner, but I want to bust your bubble. You was a bad sinner. Because the Bible said the all the foolish is sin, therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. We were all wicked sinners, but aren't you glad, aren't you amazed this morning that he would come and suffer like he did and die like he did and rise again? Why, so you could get to God. The songwriter said, When I couldn't get to where he was, he came to me. Well, we need to ponder this Christmas, divine sovereignty. Delivered son. But then I think we need to ponder these delighted shepherds. Verses 8 through 8 through 20. It's interesting. These shepherds, I mean, who would be the first to hear? Who is going to find out that the Messiah, the Son of God? Well, who else would need to find out first that the Lamb of God was here but a shepherd? He was the Lamb of God. And so you know who to carry on that principle. You know who God let know He was hit, the Lamb of God was here first. He let the shepherds know. Notice these shepherds in verse eight. The description portrayed the description portrayed the Bible said they were in the same country. Shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Being a shepherd was not an admirable job. It was despised. They were out in the field. They were dirty. They're living out there in the field. By night, they're in darkness. Picture the sinner, don't it? out there in darkness defiled in sin but all of a sudden the detailed proclamation verses 9 through 14 and lo the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were so afraid and the angel said to them fear not for behold I bring you good tidings of great joy Angel said, have I got some good news for you hey can you imagine those angels I mean things have been silent for 400 years since Malachi Gabriel's had a couple of assignments uh, to see Mary and Joseph but they've been kind of just hanging out for 400 years oh but now the son of God has been born they get the quiet. Together they get the angels together. They get all the ones together and say, "Boys, we're going down." To... By the way, there ain't no female shepherd; they's all boys. Boys, we're going down to a shepherd's field. Can you see? They all gathered there in the sky, and they said, "Lo, unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord." Verse number, verse number, uh, verse number thir- thirteen. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts. That is a big old. That's more and four angels somebody help me and as a host can you imagine them angels standing out there and them shepherds are standing out there in that field by the way i believe this i hope you do others uh, standing out there in that field minding their own business and then heaven showed up and they begin to praise god bless god it wasn't no silent night they were shouting and praising god and giving saying glory to god in the eyes and on earth peace goodwill towards men they begin to declare, he's here, he's here. There is the detailed proclamation. Then there is the distinct priority. I love this. The message in verse 11 was, he has come. The message in verse 12, and ye shall find the babe. The message in verse 11 is, he has come. The message in verse 12 is, you can go. Ain't that what the gospel message is? He's come so we could go. Notice this distinct priority. Verse 15. And it came to pass while the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go later. Is that what they said? No, let us now go. They can't wait. They couldn't wait to see Jesus. They couldn't wait to see what God has done. Let us now go even into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. Watch what they did in verse 16. And they came with haste. That shows their excitement. They were excited about seeing Jesus. Hey, we ought to ponder that. We ought not come. I'm going to preach on it more tonight, Lord willing. But we ought not come dragging in and say, Well, it's another Sunday. It's another Wednesday. We ought to be like these shepherds. They came with haste. They came with excitement. They came with anticipation. Why? They were going to see Jesus. The distinct priority. And then the deliberate praise. Verse number 19, 20. But Mary kept all these things, pondered in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things, watch now, that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. You know what they went back saying? Everything that angel said was true. Everything that angelical host said was true. He is here. He has come. He is alive. There is a Messiah. There is a Lamb of God that John will later say that has come to take away the sin of the world. You know, this text has been preached so much. If you mark in your Bible, no doubt, you've got my name and date scribbled all through here. And 10, 11, Well, this is my 11th Christmas I preached here. Say, preacher, we all know that. And yes, we do. I have not preached anything to you this morning that you did not know before you walked through those doors. You knew it. You just need to be reminded of it. But if we know it, then why don't it touch us anymore? Why does it move us anymore? Why does it stir our hearts anymore? Does it bring a tear to your eye? Does it bring something in your soul that somebody would love you that much? That somebody would go that far? They talk about long-distance relationships. Long-distance relationships. There ain't no more long-distance relationship than God coming from heaven to earth. And aren't you glad I couldn't span the distance? But He did. We need to ponder that this week. Remember that this week. Consider that God's in control, that divine sovereignty, the delivered Son. Why did He come? To reconcile you to God and the delight of these shepherds. This is how we ought to be rejoicing this morning. That God would send His Son. I love you people here today. I've said this before. I love you. You love me. But I wouldn't give my Son for your life. and You wouldn't give your Son for my life. But God gave His Son for our lives. What grace. What mercy. What love. We stand together for prayer this morning. Some things we ought to ponder this Christmas. Maybe these things you know them, but you just need to be reminded of them this morning. We need to keep them in mind what Jesus said. He's going to come play a verse of invitation. If God spoke to your heart, you need to come pray. These altars are open. Keep these things in mind this Christmas. Keep these things in our hearts.